Yeah, have you ever been, when you went to any of your mission trips, have you ever met somebody who has impacted and or even changed your life at that moment? Wow, yeah. I mean, there's people that, you know, you meet that, you know, they inspire you, you become friends with them. Um, so there's different missionaries that I met when I went on the different trips. So uh, the first trip I went on, uh, the biggest inspiration from that trip was actually the person who brought us over there, which was my kid's pastor growing up. Her name was Kathy Exley. <clears throat> and so she was my kid's pastor. She was very, very um, extroverted, outgoing, uh, single, older lady in her 50s. And she was uh, just an incredible like uh, personality. She was so upbeat and, and passionate about missions work, passionate about ministry and kids. And so she actually for years uh, was a missionary to Africa. So when I went with her for the first time, she was someone who definitely inspired me uh, through our puppet skits and our drama skits and mm. the dances and the routines we did, all the things that she planned out and she creatively just, you know, like on the spot sometimes she would she would come up with stuff for us to do. And she was the kind of person, I don't know if you've ever met someone like this, David, who will push you out onto the stage in front of 250 kids at a school and tell you to give your testimony and you don't have any clue what you're doing. <laughs> so I was 12 years old when that happened to me and she pushed me out in front of these kids and I was just like, uh, and I had stage fright, even though I was the son of a pastor, you know, I'm terrified in front of these kids. And I told them my testimony and it was really really weird and awkward yeah <laughs> but it was it was one of those things that she was someone who was an inspiration to me um but there's tons of people i mean when i went to belgium the pastor there his name's pastor bill schwartz um of a church in belgium and and, and he is someone who uh, he's he's literally he calls himself uh he's he used to be an american he's one of my dad's closest friends he's now trying to get Belgian citizenship. So he's wow. not someone who comes back to the States and goes back to Belgium. And really they stay most of their time in America and they do missions work in Belgium. No, he is someone who has, you know, taken on the life of someone who's now, you know, European, he's from Belgium and he's raising his kids there. And so it's really cool to see like the different type of missionaries that you'll see as, you know, even going through SUU, we had missions convention all the time where we would meet people that inspire us. So, those were two of the main people. Um, but there's also like, you know, villagers that, you know, when you, I remember praying for a guy who he had said he had, um, he had back pain and the smile on his face after I prayed for him was just huge. And I, I didn't speak Spanish and he quickly like left cause it was a long line of people for us to pray for. And just seeing those, those faces when you're overseas, it's really something incredible. Is there, a, is there a face that you remember so well, his face a little bit? Um, so I remember his face for sure, you know, black hair, Hispanic guy, older, he had a mustache. Um, and there, there's, uh, there's faces, like, I remember one of the gang, the gang members that we prayed for um, in, uh, in this house where in Honduras, if, if you don't know, the, the, the climate there um, is very, very, if the cops see someone with tattoos and realizes they're in a gang, it's shoot first, ask questions later, they kill on the spot. Um, all the gang members that are actually active and local in the different cities in Honduras are extremely, extremely um, young. And so we were praying for teenagers uh, oh, wow. because all the older uh, gang members who um, are off the streets are all dead or in prison. Wow. And so their kids are kind of like living and doing the work for them now. So it's really, it's, it's sad. And Honduras is, is an extremely beautiful country. Um, but it's just plagued by this, by this, it's very sad, a lot of uh, gang activity and criminal activity. 
And so a lot of the times when we would go throughout the city, you know, you recognize faces. But I, I love kids ministry, so the, the faces of the kids um, was always something that stuck with me. I remember there's um, an orphanage that we would stay at. And at this orphanage, there's all these kids. And, you know, I remember meeting them and loving on them for a week because they would be our translators. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the faces stick with you. The names don't, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I have a terrible, a terrible job remembering names. Um, mm-hmm. But there's some that they'll, they'll, they'll be on Facebook. <laughs> oh, wow. Kids. And so I, I'll see them every once in a while on Facebook. So that's cool. That's really cool. That's really cool of connecting with people all over the globe, too. What do you think yeah. that has given you... Um, Cause I know you say a lot about police brutality, right? So what has come into all these other countries have done for you coming back to the States as American, uh, seeing gangs, violence, police brutality, what's your exact thoughts on that? Of course it's sad and it's something that is different when you go to overseas, when you come to America. I mean, it's, it's, it's way different. Like, um, we, we, I haven't lived overseas, so I can't speak to it as much as someone who's actually lived overseas and lived here. Mm-hmm. But I've been on a lot of missions trips, and I've seen, even in Vietnam, when I went on that trip, um, the police there, like, we have certain freedoms in America that we, we often take for granted. Um, and so that's something that, you know, I, I, can, I can help someone who's never been overseas understand, um, just because I have been overseas. But again, I haven't lived there, so I don't know exactly what they go through you know what i mean yeah um i i I remember in belgium i was i was not arrested but i was stopped in belgium for jaywalking (laughs) Uh, police pulled pulled me and my friend over we were trying to get back to the train station we had just watched a movie and um because i was in belgium for a couple weeks my first trip there police pull us over they start speaking deutsch to us Uh uh, which is just dutch and and they say youngins and they said i don't even remember what they said because i don't speak they said youngins (laughs) and they they, you know they cited us a ticket or whatever i'm they they took my id and i mean i I don't know if like if i go back to belgium now i'm a wanted man but (laughs) it's like one of those weird things that uh it's a lot it's a lot different i mean a lot of it is just different I mean, we have it really good, even with all the terrible things that happen and the media covers a lot of it um, that, you know, it's horrible, mm-hmm. um, but we still have it much better than a lot of the people overseas. And we have to remember that. That's very true. That's very true. Now, I know you said a lot of things that, you know, as Americans, we do take for granted. Um, what's one thing that you've seen as a uh, actually better fact? What would you say missionary does for being going on mission trips do to people? Or at least going out there to a place that needs Jesus and needs the love of God. What does that do for you, maybe even just as an American, if putting yourself in the shoes of so many out there who hasn't went to a mission trip and now coming back from mission missions trips for your first time, what does it do for you and how does your perspective change? Yeah, it's, it's, it's perspective. It's just one word. Like you gain this whole new perspective on on life, on ministry especially. Because if, if you're wanting to go into ministry, you have to understand that the way we do ministry here in the states is completely different than they do overseas, and it has to be. Um, you know, and, and America is one of the places where where we can freely talk about Christ. You 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 know, um, you can go on the street and ask someone uh, if you know, can I pray for you? You can ask them, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you can do that here, whereas, excuse me, in other countries, mm-hmm. you can't. You know what I mean? You you, you can get uh, you can get shot, arrested, killed, 
um, even even in some countries, it's not all like super dangerous like that. In other countries, they just um, they won't even you know know what you're talking about. They've never heard that. They don't even know who Jesus is, and so that's that's something where it gives you the opportunity. And so you gain a lot of perspective, especially for me when I was 12 years old. I gained a ton of perspective on the fact that uh, not everyone has it as good as we do. So we have, you know, like I said, there's a lot for us to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. But also you, you gain a new perspective on how life is lived. Like okay. the little things, the little details that we have here uh-huh. that, you know, they don't have. You know what I mean? I, I get what you're so, saying. Have you ever met someone in your missions trips that maybe was even just a local, wasn't exactly from the States or from your missions trip to where you were just appalled by their faith, by their happiness, by their love for God, but you were kind of just taken back by a moment and was like, this person is so much happier than like I ever see a lot of people in the States, and yet they have so little. Yeah, I mean... There, there's there's tons of people that you meet like that all the time because um, mostly for me, for in my experience going overseas, I loved doing kids ministry. And mm-hmm. You know that because um, we're friends. But yeah. Going overseas, doing kids ministry with um, kids who are from Honduras, who are living on the streets, who don't have their homeless kids, you know what I mean? Um, those kids are some of the happiest you'll ever see when you come with a puppet show or you come with a drama skit and you come with candy and you come with... Um, bags of rice, whatever you come with to, to, to love on them. Um, versus kids ministry here in the United States, it's all, it's all entertainment. It's all uh, a show oftentimes. And so, um, kids here in the States are a lot harder to minister to because, um, it's like you're competing with YouTube, with, um, TV, with their iPad for attention. Whereas, when you go overseas, you know, especially when I went to Honduras, I saw it all the time, is they're wowed by the most simplest things where if you were to do the same exact show for a kids' ministry in the United States, they'd be bored falling asleep asking, you know, for, for an iPad. And mm-hmm. so um, that's some that's a lot of, I gained a lot of perspective from that specific angle of ministry working with kids. And so the the happiness there and, and the level of, of joy when you come and you can shake their hand and show them that they're loved is is so much is it's just it's inspiring and it's awesome to see that. Mm-hmm. If you could say something to like a parent right now, or maybe yourself as a parent, what would be the biggest advice as someone who does kids ministry every Sunday and only gets to see them for maybe two hours? What would be the biggest yeah. advice you would give to parents with kids on how? You know, I know you don't have kids. I know that most people might write you off. Oh, you shouldn't be giving me advice. You have no kids. But what's something being there on the front lines dealing with their kids? You could say that, like, this is probably the most undervalued thing that parents can do to minister to their kids. Yeah, I mean, so for for work from working with kids, um, I can only speak to, to uh, you know, the specific different things that I see kids deal with, which a lot of times kids have really easy, uh, it's a reason, it's really easy answer to their problems. Um, but a lot of kids today, um, I, I won't even speak to, there's so many, there's so much, that, that question is so loaded. Um, what would I say to parents right now? Um, definitely love your kids. Definitely. I would tell them to, to spend intentional time with their kids. Um, what does that mean? Also, I would go ahead. What, were you gonna say? what does that mean? Intentional time. 
I mean, that means like eye contact, sit down with them, ask them about their day. And when you create a, a, a culture within your family, like that is, is, um, intentional meaning with purpose, you know what I mean? For you want to get to know your kids, um, before they get older and you realize I don't really know them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of kids, um, they want attention. My little brother's one of those kids who's always, he, he can't play by himself. He wants to play with someone. So he's grabbing my mom, my dad, my sister, or I, and he wants to play with us. Whereas a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of other kids will grab a controller. They'll play video games by themselves. He's not like that. Um, so I try to spend intentional time with him, which means it's just me and Lies time. It's us sitting down doing something, asking questions. Um, so that's one thing is, and I, the other thing would just be to, to cultivate with them um, devotion time, show them by example what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Whereas a lot, a lot of parents think that the kid's pastor's job is for them to, to that's where the, the, their kid is going to learn about Jesus. When really the kid's pastor only, like you said, gets two hours tops with mm-hmm. their kid. Whereas the rest of the week, you know I mean? 24 seven, they're with the parents mm-hmm. um, or they're at school and the rest of the time they're with their parents. So the parents have the most important job, which is, is teaching their kids about Jesus. And, you know, we can resource them, we can help them. But I've always said for specifically for me, for I'm an, ele- I'm an elementary director at a church at one of the campuses at CLC. And um, my job is to invest in parents, to pastor kids and to lead volunteers. And so investing in parents, what that looks like for us is, is emailing them resources, talking to them at the door when they pick up their kid about what they learned, giving them uh, every opportunity to, to do what we do at church, but in their own time in the living room with their parent, with their kids, um, you know what I mean, when they're at home. So I, w- I would say that's the most important thing you, you can ever do mm-hmm. uh, is, is invest in your kid um, and in their, in their walk with Christ. I like what you said about um, spending time with your kid with a purpose. Um, on an episode that I will be doing at the time of this recording this week, this Thursday, I talk a little bit about something I heard in Mike Todd's Relationship Goals, uh, the first series. I'm reading that book right now. I'm, I'm listening to that book on Audible. Really? <laughs> really? <Yeah>. Really? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Mike Top baby. Um, you got a study guy too? Yeah, I love, yeah. I love Mike Todd. I love that uh, that series. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> so he talks about in singleness and uh, alone but not single. He talks. He said this really one quote that I feel like low key he kind of sped over. Uh. Everyone, like, applaud, but I felt like he kind of kept preaching. I felt like, ooh, that's a whole sermon itself. You wanted him to unpack that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, he, he talks about in marriage, but obviously we're talking about kids right now. So, he talks about if you never know the purpose behind a relationship, if you never know the purpose behind something, your tendency is going to be to abuse it. So, he talks about that as in a relationship. If you don't know why you're with them or where this thing is going, then it's most likely going to end up in abuse. Now, I want to ask you this. He talks about between a man and a woman. Let me ask you this. If you don't know the reason you have a kid, don't you think that sometimes can end up in abuse if you don't see the purpose in that kid? You don't see the purpose of you parenting. You don't see the purpose as yourself as a parent. 
talk a little bit about that because I know in kids ministry, especially down South Florida, abuse isn't really that rare, you know? Yeah, it's something a lot of people don't talk about that happens um, a lot, and it's, it's sad, and it's something I've never um, come across in my own ministry, you know, and I've counseled kids uh, sitting down with Pastor Eric and a kid talking with them about their home life, and it, it's it's tough because, like, abuse is so often thought of as um, just hitting your kid, but... Um, it's so much more than that. Abuse mm-hmm. can be neglect. Abuse can be what you expose them to or what you don't expose them to. Um, and that's why, you know, it's, it's important how you uh, define the relationship between a parent and a child. Uh, the Bible talks about how children are like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. Mm-hmm. And so our job as parents, even though neither of us have kids, uh, <laughs> a parent's job, just from a biblical standpoint, is to send their kids out into the world and the Bible talks about how if you train a child up in the way that they shall go, they shall not depart from it. Mm-hmm. From it. And so, uh, a parent's job is to love their kid. Number one, and number two is to, is to teach and train and show that kid what how life is going to be, how to how to live out your your walk with Jesus, um, and how to be prepared for the world. Because that's the thing is is when they get old enough to uh, even before they're eighteen they're old enough to to know certain things and and have those kind of conversations and a lot of parents put those off. So, um, abuse is definitely something that's tough. Uh, most, most recently I was listening to a podcast called consider before consuming Mm. and it talks about the dangers of pornography. And on one of their episodes, they talked about how it was a, a woman who was a, she was a, uh, care nurse for, uh, kids who have been abused that are brought to the hospital, the emergency room after, um, they were sexually abused or physically abused, and she does, um, you know, checkups on them. And so, she she talked about how oftentimes um, abuse is not even from parent to kid, but sometimes it's brother to sister, you know, sister to brother, whatever it is. Mm. And so, uh, parents are supposed to protect their kids, to love their kids, and to show their kids how to be prepared for life. And so. Definitely, like you said, uh, Mike Todd talks about how you have to be able to define the relationship, understand why that relationship is there. And I think the, the fact of the matter is even in a relationship where, um, y- you know, you weren't ready to have a kid, but you got surprised. Mm-hmm. That, Oops, you know, those kind of, um, they were an accident, whatever it is. God uh, can, may not have uh, wanted that to happen or caused it to happen, but he definitely can use that. Like he used Joseph's story in the Bible. Um, what the devil meant for evil, God can use for good. And so God will prepare you. God will lead you in how to how to raise your kids. And all you have to do is lean on him and trust in him. And ultimately, that's the most important. That's so good. That's so good. Now, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. Um, kids and everything. And maybe go back to when you were a kid. Um, how, was your, how was your walk through Christian faith? How was your, your, your personal walk? That may include your family that include maybe your parents, that may include your school, but how was your personal walk in your faith? Yeah, I remember my mom after church one day, um, I don't think she remembers this happening, but I, I specifically remember her taking me outside. And I don't know if I said I hate God or something to get my way, like my mom made me angry. And so I said, I hate God or something, but she seemed so concerned. Because I remember that happening in a, in a separate event. Um, but something about my mom being so concerned, she pulls me outside, she gets on one knee, and she looks me right in the eyes, and she says, 
I need you to repeat this prayer after me. And it was the salvation <laughs> prayer. And, um, and it was one of those moments where since I'm a pastor's kid, I grew up in church my whole life, but I never understood um, salvation until I was a teenager. Um, and even, even going into college, you, you, you find out more about what salvation really is. Um, because a lot of times people aren't very good at explaining it mm-hmm. and explaining what faith is and explaining what grace is and what it means to be saved versus what it means to have said a prayer when you were a kid. Um, Explain it. Things, you know what I mean? So uh, my faith journey was one of a pastor's kid who wasn't uh, all that rebellious in the open. Okay. I was very, very uh, obedient. I was a good kid. I listened to my parents. Um, but my, my strongest... My biggest fight um, with God was always over my own sin, and that was the biggest barrier for me to have faith in God was myself. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, people have often said that our three greatest battles are the world, Satan, and our our flesh. So I battled the flesh and Satan much more than anything else, especially because I was sheltered as a kid. I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music, watch you know bad movies, TV shows. Um, I didn't hang out with friends unless they went to church. Oh, wow. I was very sheltered. And so the world didn't really grab a hold of me as quickly as it did some of my friends or other kids. Um, but Satan definitely influenced a lot of the things that happened in my younger days. And so I had to overcome pornography as a kid. Um, I think I was nine or 10 years old when I was first introduced to it. And so that was something that has uh, definitely been a journey of that I needed faith to, to, to overcome. And just a lot of, uh, apologetics and, and theology that I studied because I had doubts as a kid. Oh, wow. I would have been the kid that you would have been the last one to think, <laughs> the last person you would think would be uh, struggling with his faith. But I didn't understand a lot of things, and I had a lot of questions. And questions are, are so important for kids to have, and I'm always someone who's advocating for people to ask questions, right? Ask questions about why evil is in the world. Did God create sin? Ask these hard questions that that pastors don't talk about from the pulpit because those are the questions that if you don't ask them in church you'll ask them outside of church you'll ask them with someone who's not a believer and they'll give you a sufficient answer Uh, they'll give you a real answer it's not the right answer Mm. um and so it it might it might suffice in the moment it might make sense to you but that doesn't mean that it's true and so we have to be able to open up in church a a place where people can ask questions because i was asking questions and i went to youtube and thank God when I went to YouTube and YouTube and asked my question, I had people that I could look to, uh, like Ravi Zacharias, who recently today Rest in peace. Notice, mm-hmm. passed away. It's extremely sad. Extremely. Um, and so for me, yeah, that was my faith journey. I had doubts, but um, I continued. And that was one thing I always said was um, I would never give up. Mm. Never give up. Yes. Even if I, you know, kept struggling with pornography, if and I, even if I kept having questions and doubts and questions is I was always going to keep searching and I was going to, because I had experienced God, you know, through church and through everything. And my experiences are something I couldn't argue with. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I, I like that, what you said. Um, I often believe that sometimes many of the biggest doubters or the many, many of the biggest opponents in Christ beforehand turn into the biggest advocates and contributions. It's often the things that we see that Christ, Christianity lacks becomes our superpower within the faith. Um, for example, what you said with your doubts, you know, now your knowledge is a strength, is a superpower. Uh, theology, all that, it, you, yeah. you, because you didn't give up on it. You know what I'm saying? Some of the biggest things 
I know a lot of people who may be deficient in love, may not have enough of love or attention, but then those type of people become the most loving people in the world because through Christ they're redeemed and that deficiency turns into their superpower. Okay, I like that. And there's another thing you said. Um, I want you to educate us a little bit about, you said before you struggled with pornography, there's a lot of people out there right now, especially with this pandemic and Pornhub giving premium out for free. Um, so, so wrong. Yeah, I've read articles on that. Yeah. Uh, talk us to a little bit about you and pornography. And I know we all seen maybe the articles about Pornhub specifically. If you want to talk a little bit about that, I'm going to be, yeah, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, like I said earlier, like I was like nine or 10 when I, uh, when I went and, uh, to a friend's house, his name was, <laughs> his name was David. Um, <laughs> And he, he, he pulled out a magazine and, you know, we started looking through these magazines and, um, later that, that, uh, couple weeks later I was at church. Um, I was at the church office cause we had a church building because my dad's church was small. When it was a startup, we had a church building and it was a school that we went to and rented out. And then we had a church office. And so, um, at the church office one day, my dad's down the hall in his office and I was at the receptionist desk and I looked both ways and typed in naked girls into the, the search bar at the church office on the receptionist computer. And um, it was one of those things where it was it was like all these images just popped up and I was like, wow, and I had never experienced. So for me, it wasn't, um, it wasn't something that I, I w- was understanding of. I was curious. I was too young to actually understand what I was getting myself into. Um, and so I went and, and you know, I, from that moment on, I started, I wanted to look more at more stuff. And I, I started uh, looking at videos and it all just went downhill from there to a full blown addiction to pornography. Co- coming home from school every week, I would do my homework and then I would watch porn or I'd watch porn and do my homework. And I opened up to my youth pastor about it. And that was one of the moments his name was Pastor Mike Miller. Uh, he uh, was someone who really, for me, uh, was there for me when my family wasn't because mm. I didn't want to talk to this about my dad. <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to talk about this with my dad or with my mom or uh-huh. with anyone really. But he was someone I found for some reason. Uh, he was like a safe place to talk to because I didn't feel like I would be judged or, or shamed or um, or getting in trouble for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas you know other times with my dad when he caught me looking at something I shouldn't have. Uh, he, it was always immediately like you're grounded or you're, you're in trouble. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where I didn't really want to talk to him about it. So I opened up to my youth pastor and that was kind of the beginning of my journey to overcoming it. And I, I say journey because uh, pornography is one of the things that I've studied and researched and read the most about. I mean, tons of books that I've read about it, tons of articles. Um, you know, there's so many resources like, uh, Covenant Eyes has really been a big help. Covenant Eyes is a, a screen, uh, screen software so they they, they're um, basically like a porn blocker Mm -hmm. and so um but the cool thing about covenant eyes is that um they have so many resources for you to read and for you to learn about how the brain works and all this stuff so uh, this is again (laughs) i don't know how long you want me to talk about this but no go keep going (laughs) because i can um but talking about it before before you keep going i do want to hint at something real quick there's also a lot of people who may feel like they don't have the time to read and get themselves yeah. caught up on the knowledge of porn. Uh, you don't have to read too much to be able to uh, start this journey and be able to overcome it. What would you say oh, for sure. is um, 
maybe more important than just even just reading about it. Um, what's ultimately like the bigger bigger than just reading about it? What what what's the what's the step to overcoming it? Yeah, there's. I mean, again, there's tons of resources out there. But if someone's like, I'm struggling with this, like right now, like I I don't I don't want to. I need I need quick answers. The the first thing I would say to them is that there are no quick answers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no there's no immediate one day you'll read a you'll read an article or a book about it and then you'll be free. Yeah. You'll never watch porn again. Um, if that if that is you, more power to you. But uh, <laughs> oftentimes the journey for someone is is um, a decision mm-hmm. to to talk with God, talk with someone that they trust, um, and to make a decision to change their life because um, pornography is a huge evil. Um, it's ruined it's ruined marriages, it's ruined people's lives, it's caused people to commit suicide because of the depression, it's caused uh, you know relationships, breakups, tons of tons of evil has been caused by pornography. And so if someone's really right now they're like, I don't know what to do, I haven't read all these books, where do I get these books? I, I can you know we can leave links in the description for them to look at these things, but for right now you need to uh, sit down. And, and pray. The first thing you need to do is get right with God, because this is a, a, a big thing about this is that it's a sin that, that grieves the heart of the Father. Uh, there's a video that John Bevere um, was interviewed um, about, and he, he mentions that uh, his his uh, strategy as a pastor who was currently struggling with pornography was to go to another pastor, have that famous speaker pray over him, mm. and when that famous speaker prayed over him, he would be set free. So he does it. He goes to the famous speaker. He says. He tells him in confidence, hey, I'm struggling with this. The famous speaker prays for him, and nothing happens. Yeah. He, he talks about how he's like, well, God, like, why didn't anything happen? And then a friend of his who was uh, set free from smoking cigarettes for 10, 15 years is the next day after um, after uh, uh, praying to God for, for being set free, he's set free of 15 years of smoking. And he looks at his friend, and he's like, how come he gets set free, but I'm not? And God looks at him and says, because you still like it. Oh, wow. And, and and his understanding was immediately, oh, my God. Yeah. How can God set me free from something I still like? Mm. And so, you know, there's necessary steps mm. to being ta- that you can take. Um, you know, the thing about porn is that it, it's it's anonymous, so you can do it without anyone knowing about it. Um, it's it's free, so it's affordable. Uh, and then it's you can get access to it. So the, the three A's are affordable. It's anonymous, and you have access to it. It's accessible, and so when you can stop those three things from happening, you can you can begin the journey to change. Is if you can stop yourself from having access to it, put a porn block or pay, put some money into into this fight because it's really that important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, get, pay for a porn blocker if you can find a free one. If you can uh, downgrade to a, a, a cell phone that doesn't have <laughs> access to porn, yeah. get someone uh, to to put something on your laptop. Whatever you can do to stop from you being able to access it is super important. And, and then the other thing I would say is that it's affordable. You need to have someone uh, get you accountable with your credit card, with your finances, if you can, uh, if you're paying for it. If, if not, you got to do something about how easy it is to get to it, and then tell someone. Like I said, find accountability. Mm, I got you, and appreciate that so much. Those three things have been great. I'm gonna say this before we start, before we wrap up. Um, you know, porn and all of my listeners out there, I want you to understand that, uh, you know, we have so many people um, from the faith and those who are struggling with it and those who may have not even been formally even introduced yet. Not only do I call you to salvation, just, you know, making a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, but 
I want to ask you this and tell you this real quick. Jesus said there was no sin higher than the last. And I want you to understand that porn is a slippery, very, very, very slippery slope. Pornhub was recently leaked for a lot of articles containing that they still have uh, porn videos on their sites that wasn't even um, nobody. The people in that under underage girls, rape, date rape, um, mm-hmm. gangbangs, a lot of stuff on there and without no permission from the victim and everything. And that can be very scarring. I really encourage everybody right now that this, again, is a slippery, slippery slope. (laughs) All right. Caleb Rosenbarger, my man, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. It has been amazing. Uh, Any last words for me and the viewers? I'd like to thank you for having me on the podcast. It's a privilege. Um, Last words? Uh, Not really. I mean, um, just... uh, Get right with God, if, that's, uh, if I can say anything. That's what I would say. It's for sure. Some very profound words. Get right with God, <laughs> dash, Caleb Rosenbarger. An incredible quote <laughs> from him. All right. Thank you guys so much. Signing out. This has been your host, David Ramos of Dav Rabbit Talks Too Much.